0: He's Brock and Saul, Brock Huard and Mark Matt Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. 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 Presented by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard on Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines
1: Studio. Where's like the puff dudes? App? Now here are your hosts, Brock Huard and Mike Saul.
0: This is a great quote. I'm going to read you. I wish we had sound of it, but it came from an article, so I'm going to have to read you the quote from Pete Carroll. But it's good, and it's very interesting, and I think it it leads back to some questions of how they've done business and some other good questions about how they plan to do business. Maura, thanks for uh, sending this over. Uh, so this is from Lindsay Theory, who's local to Seattle. She's from here, but she covers the Rams now, right, for ESPN.com. She's, she's sort of the Brady Henderson doing a equivalent. Rams and Chargers. Okay, yeah. She's sort of the LA version of Brady Henderson, but yeah. she's a Seattle person. She used to work here, used to live here. I think she's from here. Anyway, so she and she's very smart. She wrote a good article here, and it's essentially on this quandary that 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 teams seem to be in between finding the franchise quarterback. Or building the best roster. And, you know, there's sort of becoming more and more of a common thought that it's very difficult to do both. That at some point you've got to make that decision. And she writes, determining whether a quarterback is capable of leading a team to a Super Bowl is the first hurdle. The next is ensuring he has enough talent surrounding him to get there. And this is where she quotes B. Carroll. It's really a factor. It's a very real situation. Seattle Seahawks coach Pete Carroll said of reworking a roster around a significant quarterback extension, the dynamics of the structure of your roster shifts. You really have to be creative and you really have to be fortunate in mixing the makeup of the roster to make it work. Hmm. So like everything now with Pete, you kind of assume that he's talking about you know, Russ, whether he is or not, and some of the decisions that they made because it, it, it has left such an indelible impression upon this group, right, and this team of, like, everything around them still kind of circles back to Russell Wilson in one way or another because it was a 10-year franchise quarterback and all the decisions they made. But the dynamics of the structure of your roster shifts. The dynamic, I mean, like a lot of Pete things, there's a lot of words in there. The dynamics of the structure of your roster, it shifts. When I hear dynamics, I think about chemistry. I think about the way everybody gets along. When I hear structure of your roster, I think about where you can have talent and where you have to make sacrifices in order to either A, pay your quarterback, or B, keep them happy. And I think both of those things are the case. By the way, I think the first one gets a lot of pub. I don't think the second one gets enough. Like, yes, you have limited money to go spend once you've spent a gazillion dollars on a franchise quarterback, but you also get stuck having to appease them. Look at the Jets and all the garbage they've had to sign to make Aaron Rodgers happy. Right? Remember when Russell Wilson decided he wanted to play GM and who was the one player he wanted? Greg freaking Olsen. Hands of stone, well, done, he couldn't He also do wanted anything. Antonio Brown, too, but luckily they weren't. Yeah, okay, so even worse. <laughs> Remember when Russ wanted to play GM? And guess what happens if you appease him, right? You end up with a, a, an aging Greg Olsen who had nothing left. And you could have ended up with Antonio Brown. Right, it's a slip. A slip. You do it once. When do you say no? These, these quarterbacks generally don't know what the team needs. They know what they need personally to be happy, but they don't know what the team needs because they are looking at it. It's like an allegory of the cave situation. Like they're just looking at the shadows, they're looking at their own little tunnel vision. They don't know what's going on behind them, they don't know what's real. So that's another part of it that I, I found very interesting from Pete. You really have to be creative and you really have to be fortunate in mixing the makeup of the roster to make it work. And when I hear that, I, I just keep coming back to the to the to the the chemistry of what it's like and how hard it is to know how to treat that quarterback. Do you treat him just like everybody else? He's not like everybody else. It's quarterback, different. Do you treat him differently? from everybody else? Well, you can't treat him so differently because then everybody else starts to give you funny looks. Why are you criticizing me and not him? So those chemistry conversations, you have to be creative in mixing the makeup of your roster to make it work, right? Remember, KJ told us this about the way Pete handled Russell Wilson for all those years.
1: This is going to be a sight to see because when he was in Seattle for those 10 years, Coach Carroll did a good job of, I'm not going to say protecting Russ, but he, he really just shielded him in a way like, hey, the
0: defense is going to be the lead dog. You're going to hand the ball off to Marshawn Lynch. Mm-hmm. And when you do mess up,
1: yeah, I'm, I'm going to address it. But for the most part, defense, it's all on you guys. And so, mm-hmm. Sean Payton to come in. I heard how he runs his meetings. After a loss... If you play bad, Sean Payton will let you know loud and clear how he feels about you. And that's the question. Can Russ handle the the, the harshness, the, hey, you got to get better. And I'm calling you out in front of this entire football team. Good question.
0: That was KJ on uh, good, morning, good Morning Football, right? Good Morning America. Maybe Good Morning Pretty America too. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty close. Pretty close. Um, two things on that. One, I think Russ will be better at it this year after what he dealt with last year.
1: Oh, yeah. You know,
0: humble pie. Yeah, I think that he is going to be in a much more uh, listening situation. Like, I think it'll be easier criticism. for him yeah. to take some of that criticism when he struggles. So I I don't think it would have gone well last year. And I'm psyched for when KJ starts coming on more regularly during the football season starts. Right. We're going to do that again every Wednesday at eight o'clock. KJ will be in the building kind of doing his hour with us, which is just going to be sweet. Um, but I think Russ will, will will respond to that a little bit better this year. But his description of what it was like for all those years is interesting, right? I mean, KJ, this isn't like Sherm, who was complaining all the time. KJ's not a complainer. Tell it like it is, right? He's taking Russ's side on some things, but he's telling you, like, look, they didn't ask him to do that much. And when he screwed up, they covered for him. Sure. Yeah. I don't know whether I see it entirely the same way. I obviously wasn't on the inside of it, so I don't know about the covering part of it. I think there were days where they asked Russ to do more and more, especially as time went on. I think he was asked to do more and more, and I think he was uniquely talented to do a lot with the minimal opportunities he was given. That's a skill. That's a talent. And Russ was really good at it, and I don't know how many other guys could have been. It's one thing to throw for a gazillion yards when you're throwing it every down. It's another thing to hit on the one chance you have – and Russ was really good at that, so I'm not I'm not going to criticize the Russ years. I think he did a lot of really great things for this team, for this franchise, etc. I think what KJ's saying though, because we we heard about the accountability factor, mm-hmm. and we heard many times where Russ would say, "Yeah, well, maybe maybe I took sacks, but most of the time that turns into a touchdown." He always kind of had a, a butt and. It seemed like other guys would get held accountable more. They had to, like, tell the truth mm-hmm. one day or whatever. And it, and their frustration was that Russ didn't have that. So it will be interesting to see if Sean Payton, I think he's going to demand he's that have Russ to. takes accountability. He's going to have to. Yeah. I mean, there's no other way for him to handle it because his team is losing. I mean, at the end of the day, what if Russ have one losing season ever here in Seattle? I and, mean, like, it just didn't happen. Because I still didn't feel like I heard him taking a lot of accountability last year. He Seem to think that Hackett was the problem. Yeah, and injuries. Yeah, it was just the Hackett injuries. And injuries yeah. Just Hackett. Yeah, it was just so. the crowd counting down. I mean, like these things happen. Like they all kind of just Wendy the Wendy ladies. Everybody's fault. competing anyway. That's the situation the Seahawks find themselves in, and and they obviously made a decision that they weren't going to spend that kind of money on a franchise quarterback again. They're paying Geno, but not like that. Yeah. And I don't know whether that influenced their decision making around the draft this year, or whether it will next year, but. It it seems very clear that they found that to be challenging. Was it challenging because of the specific quarterback they were dealing with? Or is it challenging just because it's challenging? I don't know. I guess the future is going to tell us a little bit more of that. And tells me this debate isn't going anywhere anytime soon. All right. Hey, uh, Mariners salute to the uh, Negro Leagues day is coming up on Saturday, June 17th. The players are wearing my favorite. My favorite. The Steelheads uniforms. Awesome. I love it. They take on the White Sox at 110. And the first 10,000 fans can all pick up their own Steelheads jersey. Thanks to Alaska Airlines. Oh, my gosh. Get your tickets at mariners.com. We'll come back, give you everything you need to know on Brock and Salk. See sports on 710.
1: Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's
0: what you need to know. Up first. Well, I played Aaron Judge's home run earlier and got yelled at, but you know what? It was that impressive. I don't like the guy. I don't like his team. I don't like anything about it. But when you hit a ball 117 miles an hour off the bat, sorry, we got to play it the next day. Those are just the rules. I don't make them. I just follow them. Here's the payoff.
1: Swing it's hammered out to the foul pole in left field, screaming, and it hits off of something fair and gone. It was absolutely torched by Judge. I'm not sure if that hit off the foul pole or if it hit off of the facade of Edgar's porch. But it was smoked. First home run Bryce Miller has given up this year. 117 off the bat of Aaron Judge. 378 the distance. And it's a 3-1 Yankees lead. Wow.
0: Yeah, it just was such a missile, man. And uh, his first of two on the day, Andy took back a home run from Teoscar Hernandez. Just one of those moments where one guy seems to just kind of have your number. Uh, Yankees win it 10-4. More concerningly, not the best we've seen Bryce Miller. In fact, first time we've really seen him get beat up. Obviously, a learning
1: experience for him. Knowing Bryce would be, yeah, hit my fastball. What can going to do? He's got a fastball. He's got a really good fastball. He's going to continue to throw his fastball. Tonight, he just didn't get it in the right spots, and they put some good swings on it. That's it. You know, it happens. You're going to get hit around in this league a little bit. The
0: best pitchers in this league get hit around a little bit. That's what happened tonight. All right, let's pause for a moment. How do we feel about Scott's Texas accent? I didn't pick up on that until just this last time. I think it's pretty good bad it's hurt a lot of Bryce Miller I thought it was pretty good it's better than his dad laugh like I thought that was a pretty good knowing Bryce would be yeah hit my fastball
1: That was pretty good
0: (laughs) without being patronizing like if you didn't know you'd be like right, maybe maybe Scott speaks Texan I kind of had no (laughs) problems with that was
1: it better than my hashtag hook him in uh, mean text
0: mean text I was proud of
1: myself for that
0: one you know what I still got that yeah it was better (laughs) I don't know no they were both really good Uh, Anyway, game two of this series tonight, Nestor Cortez and Logan Gilbert. Uh, Cortez, not quite the same pitcher this year. He's got a 5.30 ERA, so he's come back to earth a little bit. But he is left-handed, so we'll see whether or not the Mariners can do any damage off at lefty. Here's the second
1: thing you need to know. Stanley
0: Cup final set and NBA championship final set as well, uh, both with Miami teams. What was I seeing? that uh, It's been 20 years since a state has had two teams in the finals at the same time. Uh, it was the Nets and Devils who were there 20 years ago, and now it'll be uh, two teams from Miami. The Florida Panthers who will take on Vegas, and, of course, the Miami Heat who avoid being the first NBA team ever to blow a 3 nothing lead. It sure seems like the Celtics helped, at least according to Charles Barkley.
1: Jimmy Butler, first half. Give me your impressions of what he's been able to do. He's got 11. I thought he was good, but I got to say something, man. Why are you dumbass selfish play making my head hurt? Ernie, <laughs> let me tell you something. Glad I asked you about Jimmy Buffett. I, I know, but, but I, I, I can't, can't let it go, man. No, because it's, it's so bad to watch him play. There's no ball movement. There's no body movement. And it's just frustrating to watch a team with this much talent just play stupid.
0: How can there be no ball movement or body movement? Like, I just don't understand how that would happen. You watched the game yesterday, more. Yeah, because they're just lobbing up threes without, like, trying to do anything else. They just, like, walk up the field or walk up the court, shoot a three? Yeah. God, that sounds terrible. (laughs) I'm so glad I don't watch (laughs) that. When they had a lot of success in (laughs) the game
1: earlier in game six, yeah.
0: Really, really challenging for me to watch. Anyway, uh, pretty excited about the Stanley Cup final. We'll see whether or not uh, the Vegas Knights get their first ever cup win or whether Florida will take it.
1: Here's the third thing you need to know.
0: All right, a little injury report. We saw Jared Kelnick go crashing into the wall last night. It did not look pretty.
1: Yeah, he hit his neck. Uh, heck of an effort. He almost got to that ball. Um, their guy's a little bit taller. Otherwise, Jared probably would have caught it. Their guy did. But, uh, you know, heck of an effort. Plays hard every inning. He does not take pitches off. And that's what we love about him.
0: You know one little thing I love about Kelnick? I like when he turns his back to the plate takes a ball that's gotten past him, turns and fires it into third base. He's just got like a really cool way of just like muscling up and just throwing darts. I, I really enjoy watching him play the game. I love how hard he plays, and Scott's right. His willingness to go crash into walls, good thing. On the other hand, I didn't love the way it looked. It was neck sort of compressing like that, so curious to see if he will be in there today. Uh, we're getting closer on Andres Munoz. Shannon Dreyer says that he was at the park yesterday, says the arm is feeling good, set to start a rehab assignment in Tacoma, getting closer to a return, so that's good news. And then Jim Mueller had an update on Dylan Moore. I don't know how good this one is. Dylan says he's feeling okay, made a play the other night that led to discomfort, didn't feel great in yesterday's game, but is encouraged that he feels better today. He's pushing through and made sure to note, I'm still faster than Ty. So I don't know what that means, whether he's just being overly honest and oversharing how he's doing, right? And this is sort of the normal ups and downs of coming back from something like this, but that surgery was a while ago, right? He was supposed to be ready to go for spring training. That got delayed. He went back out and... Now to see him still dealing with discomfort and a core injury, I don't like it not one bit. All right, that's everything you need to know. Quarter past every hour, let's, you know.
1: Let's 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 compare and contrast here really quickly before we forget. Okay, Mora Ma- to Scott Service. Okay. Scott Hubbard might be the nicest guy of all time, but he's not good at this whole TV thing. Hashtag Texas, hashtag Longhorns, hashtag Hook <laughs> <laughs> I
0: Forgot how good that was. I mean, that is well, pretty I forgot good.
1: forgot About the whole wow. <laughs> Hashtag hook him.
0: So let me hear Scott again. No, and Bryce will be,
1: yeah, hit my fastball. Hmm. Hashtag hook him. <laughs> hit my fastball. We're both good.
0: Yeah, you know, I think more... Or I'm, they're both bad. <laughs> but, but, but fun. I wish I knew Southern dialects a little bit better because I feel like yours is more Georgia than Texas. I don't know. There's something that sounds sort of yeah, Georgian. I really don't. I don't know. something Georgian in there rather than Texan. <laughs> Like I know uh, they're both pretty good though. Yeah. Good on Scott. All right. Uh, let's see. Coming up. We're going to talk to Jeff Passan. Uh, how, how realistic is it that the Mariners turn on the jets with Julio rediscovering himself and what could be available now that we've entered the middle third of the season. We'll talk to Jeff about that and a whole lot more coming up next. Don't go anywhere. It's day after Memorial day. We're still waking up just like you are. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle sports on 710 Seattle Sports.com. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. How good has Julio been over the course of the last 10 games? Well, this from stat wizard Alex Mayer. Julio leads baseball in F-War, that's Fangraph's War, over his last 10 games at 1.0. He's gained a full win share in 10 games. During that time, he's hitting 400. With an 1180 OPS and a 231 WRC plus, remember 100 would be league average in WRC plus. So he is creating runs in a big, big way and turning back into Julio Rodriguez. So three of the four RBIs last night, all right? Yeah, there's just nothing oh, runs, I mean. more important to this team than Julio being Julio. I mean, everything else has to sort of equal out, right? You still need your pitching to be your pitching, and you know, other other guys are going to have to continue to just be fine. But you see what a difference it makes, and you do go from being bottom third in the league to being fifteenth in run scored, basically just because Julio rediscovers himself and turns back into the kind of player that you expected him to be when the season began. Yeah, when so stars to be stars. You you see the difference when he is who he is. Let's bring Jeff Passan into the conversation from ESPN.
1: Jeffrey, good morning. How are you? Are we talking about Julio being back?
0: Yeah, we sure are. Yeah. He's pretty yep. good.
1: It's been fun to watch, and I, you know, I, 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 you know, I'm not an "I told you so" person. I don't want to be that. Um, it, it's just you have to understand. 162 games is a long time, and guys are going to look really bad sometimes, and and maybe it's really bad for a month, but the superstar in Julio Rodriguez never went away. Sometimes it's just a little bit of a struggle to find it, and he's found it, and his OPS is creeping back toward 800. And I imagine by the end of the season, probably going to be closer to 900. And uh, it's nice to see. But man, when you know when you run into a lineup that has Aaron Judge, uh, <laughs> who is playing like peak of his powers, Aaron Judge right now. Uh, it's it's a tough thing, even when Bryce Miller's on the mound.
0: Yeah, we'll get, we'll get back to them in a minute. Let me stick with Julio for a sec. Is it too late for him to be an All Star?
1: No, I I think he could get voted as a starter. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he got voted. That's kind of starter, what I was saying right? earlier,
0: just based on the name recognition and 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 the way he was touted after the home run derby and the All Star game last year. Like, I wouldn't yeah. be that surprised at all, right?
1: I mean, who who are you voting for if you're voting for American League outfielders? Like, Judge is probably going to win the vote, mm-hmm. right? Um, Trout will probably be voted in. And third, I think it's probably Julio. Does Shohei count and, there? No, Shohei's a DH. Okay. Okay. Um, Jordan Alvarez will be interesting, but I still think Julio in terms of name recognition and in terms of popularity beats Jordan Alvarez, hmm. uh, a Rosarena maybe. Um, I, I would look, I never know what large markets are going to do. Right. And in, in the way that votes will mobilize behind particular people. Uh, so I hold out the the possibility that there's going to be some sort of candidate. I just don't see coming who's going to come in and take that third spot. But if you're asking me who the fans should vote for, I think it should be Julio Rodriguez, Mike Troutman, Aaron Judge, because this is an all-star game. And those are the biggest stars, not necessarily the guys who are –
0: playing best in 2023 and if it is and i tend to agree with that take and i tend to think of what you did at the last half of last year should matter a little bit also it's one it's a yeah. dumb it's a dumb take but you know we we say that what you do in september matters a little bit more right and then we totally devalue that when it comes to the all-star game so i've always <laughs> sort of like taken that into account and, and you're doing that by saying star power how about a guy an outfielder with an eight sixty four OPS, slugging five twenty four, ten home runs, three forty on base yeah. percentage, would that yeah. guy have a chance of being an all star? Because those are Kelnick's numbers.
1: Yeah, they are. I, if if so, once we get past the fan vote, it tends to be about production in the first half. A uh, Rosarina has been better than Kelnick. Um, Brent Rooker is going to make the all-star team mm. because there are no other Oakland A's who really are worthy of it. So you got to factor him in there too. Um, you know, uh, Cedric Mullins has a really good case. Uh, Masaska Yoshida with Boston. Offensive numbers are better. Detroit's going to need someone. Riley Green's going to be in there. Uh, White Sox are going to need someone. Luis Robert may be the guy. Uh, he, I mean, look, if Julio doesn't get voted in, he's not going. Kelnick has a chance to go just based on his numbers. And if he gets chosen, I think it's a perfectly understandable choice and a perfectly good one. But if he doesn't, at least based on the way the numbers are falling right now, I, I wouldn't sit here and yep. say, oh, he got snubbed. He got screwed. People hate the Mariners. And that's what, no, it's not one of those situations. he, you know, Jared Kelnick of a month ago, those numbers, yeah, it would be a snub if he didn't go. But he's come back to earth and is still having a really, really good first half. Uh, it's just right in line mm-hmm. with some of the other All-Star candidates and behind a few.
0: How many Mariners pitchers could be All-Stars?
1: Ooh. Pitching, you know, All-Star pitching selections always... Confuse me. I, I don't know. I don't know what they're looking for necessarily. Is it ERA? Is it strikeouts? Is it dominance? I mean, uh, I think Luis Castillo probably is pretty set to go. Um, uh, you can make an argument for for Kirby. You can make an argument for Gilbert Miller. Probably not. Not enough body of work there. Um, so I would say. The over-under is one and a half, and I'm taking the under not because nobody is worthy, but because I think pitchers are where the dregs of the the league, (laughs) that tends to be like their sole all-star selection, right? That tends to be where they go.
0: Uh, good stuff. And and kind of thinking through this and, and maybe the fact that the All-Star game is going to be here. Does that factor in last thing on the All-Star game, I guess? Does that factor in at all with how they make some of those
1: choices? It shouldn't. But, yeah, it might. I mean, once, you know, it, the, the way All-Star voting breaks is it all just comes down to who the fans select and how to ensure that there's at least one person on every team. And then, you know, if those things break the right way, then you can backfill with some local guys. Mm -hmm. But there's, you know, there's going to be enough Seattle baseball um, nostalgia, I think, to whet the appetites of fans that are there. I mean, how much junior and Edgar are we going to get during that entire week, well, like it's going know, it's to true. be, and, and, and each, and each year too, like it's going to be overwhelming and it's going to be awesome, but there's going to be a lot of Seattle baseball love, Mike, going on beyond what the, I know, but I, as, as, as somebody
0: who, who, you know, watches the team on a daily basis and, and dealt yep. with a decade of them talking too much about the past and not enough yep. about the future and the present, I, 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 of course, there's going to be some junior and some Edgar and some Felix. like there should be, those guys should be honored and they should have an opportunity yeah. to, to get a little national curtain call because they're some of the greats of the game. And for the most part, great guys. But I, yeah. I do hope that there is also an emphasis on the fact that this is a good young baseball team and I don't know if they're going to win a world series this year or ever but I do like that Jerry has tried to build something sustainable to the point where this might not be the best Mariner team we see in the next five years.
1: Yeah, I think that's reasonable. I also think that the all-star game is, is baseball, not the city in which it's taking place. Mm-hmm. Like you can, you can have a little tilt toward that. You can have a little nod, a little homage, but I, I don't think that, because the All-Star game is taking place in Seattle that that makes it a Seattle centric game. It would be nice. Uh, I mean, the reality is, Mike, if the Mariners weren't hovering around 500 all year, if they were actually 10 games over like they were supposed to be and probably yeah. uh, by all accounts should be, then it would be a different story. But uh, they need. I, I think they need to make a run. If if your dream of a Seattle weekend is going to happen,
0: yeah, I think that's very true. So in order to do that, obviously you need Julio to keep doing what he's done over the last ten days. That's been a huge yep. help. And we keep quoting you: the Mariners go as Julio goes. Agreed. Uh, you're going to need a couple other guys to start hitting. And at some point, now that you're into the second third of the season, they're probably going to oh. need some reinforcements. So let's kind of run through it. We've talked through some names. Uh, a few. Are there any new potential sellers in terms of teams that are not living up to their billing?
1: I don't think there's a scenario in which the San Diego Padres sell. Okay. And I and I say this with the Padres, um, a game out of last place in the National League West, uh, a Padres team that if. If it were anyone else, it would be like, yeah, they're off to you know they're off to a rough start. But because the Padres have done so much with an emphasis on winning now this year, um, it's it's a bad bad start. Mm-hmm. And they have a ton of guys who would be very valuable elsewhere. But I don't think the Padres are are going to be moving anytime soon. I you know, I look at the national I, like I look at the National League Central. It's not a good division. It's almost upside down. Like the two teams with positive run differentials are the last place and second last place teams, and the Cubs and the Cardinals. Um, and and you've got the Reds sort of lingering around there, and the Pirates uh, still right around five hundred, and the Brewers a little bit over. I I want to say all five of those teams should sell. It's not going to be the case, but even even in the East, a team like Miami that has some guys, Jorge Soler is uh, off to a Great start this year, hitting for a ton of power and would be a guy I think a lot of teams uh, would would love to acquire and would fit right in the middle of the uh, Mariners lineup. But the, the Marlins, despite having like the second worst run differential in the National League, are in second place in the National League East. So the, the whole thing confuses me right now. And uh, before I go on vacation here, I am writing up a sort of trade deadline preview. and. Uh, It's it's early, but there there are a lot of different scenarios depending on how the next month plays out uh, that I think really will inform what this deadline is going to look like. When's Texas going to come back to Earth? They're not. They're really good, man. You keep saying
0: that, and I don't know. I I mean, you're not the only one. Everyone Uh, keeps telling me that.
1: Are you like we're we're a third of the way through the season? I know. Saying that since the first week, they have the best run differential in baseball. Like, when are you going to start looking at them as being legitimate rather than being flukes? They're not. They're not flukes. Everything backs up them being good. And they're doing it without their $185 million pitcher too.
0: I guess I just keep assuming their pitching is going to come back to earth because I don't think it's as good as it's been so far. I know that they, that that's a different ballpark, right? So it's not like in the Texas heat, all of a sudden it gets
1: harder, right? Because right? they've got a dome on that thing now, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Nathan Avaldi has arguably been the best pitcher in baseball this year. Like the, the innings he puts up, uh, every time out are incredible. Like, the guys had a couple of complete games, another where he went eight and two-thirds, another where he went eight. Like, he's going deep into games. Uh, John Gray's been really good. Martin Perez has been solid. Andrew Heaney has been solid. Dane Dunning has been, like, unhittable. Um, they, they've got the guys, man, and they've got a lot of them, too. And they're going to go out. Here's the thing. They've got a farm system where they can go out and, and get guys, too. So I think the Rangers are going to be aggressive, and it's a seller's market, Mike. And if you want a guy, you're going to have to do what the Mariners did last year, going out and getting Luis Castillo. You're going to have to overpay for it. And I think the Rangers, the position they're in right now, are going to be willing to overpay for guys. It's a
0: seller's market. Why? Because there just aren't that many sellers? Correct. Yeah. It just seems like there are so many teams as you look at, it, and maybe that will change. I mean, we still have another two months before you really have to make decisions like this. But it just mm-hmm. seems like there's so many teams that are still in it.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the American League right now. I think last I checked, I think there were ten teams with 500 or better records. Mm. Yeah, and and it and it helps when you have an all time historically horrendous team involved in the proceedings mm-hmm. with the Oakland A's. <laughs> They're really bad. But yeah. I mean, every every non A's uh, AL West team is over five hundred, every AL East team is over five hundred, and the twins in the Central are. So that's ten of the fifteen teams in the American oh. League are over five hundred. Hey, and this... also it, yeah, go ahead. It, 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 it it doesn't it doesn't hurt that the National League is a tire fire. Like, is there is there anyone in the National League who you look at who you say, I'm scared for the Mariners to face them?
0: Mm, the Braves a little bit, but, I mean, we just yep. saw them, and they only took two out of three, and it easily could have gone either way. So, yeah, no, not yep. really.
1: Braves and Dodgers. Yeah. That's about. That's about
0: it. Yeah. No. It is like, interesting how that how that shifts from year to year. How, how does it? I mean, you talk, you brought up the A's. We just watched them for four games, and and I, I I've never seen anything like it, Jeff. I mean, I, I remember uh, the that awful Detroit team was at oh three, the Detroit team that was so bad with yeah, Bonderman and Maroth, and I mean they were awful, yeah. and I and and that was bad. I'm watching this A's team. I don't even know whether they have five major leaguers on that team. I mean, like. How how has this even happened? The A's have always had these years where they bring up young guys, and you're like, oh, I don't really know who they are. And the next year, they turn out to be Miguel Tejada. Like, who are they? Don't even look like they've got guys that are going to eventually be good. They look like they just have bad players.
1: Uh, there, I think there are a few guys who who will be okay when it's all said and I think Mason Miller is going to be a couple good. of the He's pitchers right now. Yes, um, you know, Paul Blackburn's a big league pitcher. Uh, I uh, Kyle Muller has not been great, but I think he's probably uh, at least eventually going to be a big league pitcher. They, uh, I know I'm focusing on pitching. Have you seen the A's starting pitchers record so far? <laughs> no. So if you look at starting pitching records, um, and, and I know one loss records are – they they do not mean what they once did. But you look at the good teams. The Rangers starting pitchers are twenty six and eight this year. Um, the the Mar the Mariners starting pitchers are nineteen and sixteen this year. The Rays are twenty four and seven. The Oakland A's starting pitchers this year are two and twenty nine, with a seven twelve ERA. How's that even possible? But, I it's it's inconceivable, isn't it? Like, well, it, it is until you sponges. watch them play, and you're like, God, I I totally believe it. They're awful. Yeah. So, how
0: does this end? I, how does it end for the A's? And I guess at the same time, how does it end in Tampa, where you know they're having conversations, et cetera? But obviously, the team is good. How do these stories end for these two franchises?
1: The the A's are are so fascinating to me because you've got the the legislature in. Nevada pledging to spend, you know, $380 million and contribute that to a stadium for a team that's, you know, in all likelihood going to be the worst team in baseball history. Like, we're, I'm not exaggerating when I say that. If If the gold standard for bad baseball teams, the 1962 Mets at 40 and 120, um, the the A's right now are on pace to absolutely shatter that, right. And, and maybe they you know, maybe they go on a run here where uh, they they get to Detroit 2003 level or something like that. But uh, all of a sudden, if if you're Nevada, if you're Las Vegas and you've got this pathetic, awful team coming in, how are you going to sell tickets? Like, why would you want to go, And watch a team that's owned by someone who's willing to so blow it up that that's what you have coming to town. And there's no way he sells the team
0: or starts to spend once they find themselves in another spot?
1: I mean, theoretically, he could start to spend. I I think if he was going to sell if John Fisher was going to sell the team, he'd have sold it already. Mm. Um, Theoretically, he could start to spend, but... Um, why do I believe that he's going to spend when he's never spent before? Right. Because suddenly you have a stadium that you actually have to lay out 1.1 $1. $1 billion dollars for, like, and and so you're going to start spending more after you have a billion dollars coming out of your pocket. It, it the, the whole thing doesn't make sense. Yeah. And Major League Baseball has so deeply bungled this from the beginning. And when I say the beginning. I mean, going back to Bud Seelig 20-plus years ago, like this is a two-decade-long stepping-on-your-you-know-what. It's it's sideshow Bob Hmm. stepping on rake after rake after rake, and it just comes up and hits you in the face. And that is what baseball has done with the Oakland A's, and it's sad. So what happens with the Rays? Um, I think the Rays stay. I'm not I'm more confident about that than I was a year ago, but I'm not confident about that really at all, Mm -hmm. Um, because if Stu Sternberg, who has come out publicly and said he has no intention of selling, if he does sell, um, is it going to be some to, to somebody who wants to keep the team in town or could it be to someone in Nashville or could it be to someone in Montreal or you know, it opens up a, a world of possibilities at that point. And uh, if if somebody, you know, if Stu Sternberg, if his priority is keeping the Rays in the Tampa-St. Pete area, um, there's, there's pathways to that. Like, it's easier to get a stadium done there than it was in Oakland. But uh, the, why somebody who wants an expansion franchise wouldn't just – put up the money for the Rays, who are like the best organization in baseball. Right. And and forego the two billion dollar expansion fee. Like that to me seems like an awfully good business proposition.
0: Yeah. I mean overpay for them and essentially Absolutely. you're you're getting their organization. That's the value. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. And they say, okay, Absolutely. well if I buy them and then kick a little money into it, my gosh. What could the A's be possible? You know, or what could the Rays do right off the bat in Nashville or Montreal or wherever that have an instant winner?
1: Yeah, they they'd be the Dodgers if they had a payroll.
0: They sure could be, and and oh by the way, you might end up with a Vegas Golden Knights scenario where you have success right off the bat, and it convinces you know it it, it pays long term dividends for the franchise in a new city.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it, it's not even here's the thing the, the Knights are. Uh, like a Marvel because they were an expansion team and because they had to get guys from an expansion draft and because they weren't, you know, getting the tippy top draft pick, mm-hmm. the, the rays are just like, you're buying the best team in baseball and you're just giving it a, a shiny, fancy, uh, new place to play. Like you're giving it the, the infrastructure and the support mm-hmm. that, but you know, that it should have had from the beginning. You're, you're giving it everything, that it wants to optimize and supercharge.
0: Are you enjoying this baseball season?
1: I enjoy every baseball. I season.
0: know, but are you enjoying this like what 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 is what are you enjoying about this one?
1: Uh, I I like the fact that I have absolutely no idea who is going to be in the World Series this year. As good as the Rays have been, I I still think they're vulnerable. I still, you know, I still wonder about their starting pitching because they lost Rasmussen, because they lost Jeffrey Springs, uh, because they've been banged up. Uh, the NL is just a mystery to me, and I'm I'm excited to see how that thing plays out. Um, the, the AL West and the AL East being as good as they are, um, both of those things fascinate me. And then, of course, there's just the, the individual seasons. What is Shohei Otani going to do to – uh, to to make us uh, to make us wonder just how great he can be. Mm-hmm. Like we we've seen the excellence from him. What more can he do? And what are guys like Julio going to do to come back from uh, a bad month? Uh, you know, how is he going to continue showing out and reminding us that he's still so early in his career? And still has such immense ceiling. And uh, when you're watching the beginning of someone's career like that, who you think is going to go to the Hall of Fame, it's, it's fun the day after day knowing you're seeing him build uh, build upon something that's going to be great.
0: Well, that's my reminder. Anytime I talk about the Mariners today, I want to remind myself to just talk about Julio because it's easy to get caught up in some of the other things. But when Julio goes on a run like this, it's really remarkable what what he's capable of and what it makes the team capable of. So good stuff, as always, Jeff. I did get this text, though, asking why does Passon always sound like he's getting a foot rub while doing this interview? Is that true? Are you getting a foot rub while we're doing this?
1: no what what makes me sound like I'm getting a foot rub? I don't know that's what the text message says here i don't i don't well right what is it what does it sound like when one i, I mean a level I, of I'm relaxation a, like, I'm a, yeah, I'm not a foot guy, so that's like but I, what is like what is the wouldn't I just be going ah <laughs> like, hmm. i guess I, I mean wouldn't it just be like hmm... like that no I mean, I'm know. not a I'm please don't I'm make those like sounds a, again. Yeah, I'm not a moaner. Okay, good. Okay,
0: right? <laughs> on <laughs> Well see, we did get a little personal yeah, with personal today in a way that I wasn't sure we were going to. But now uh, now we know. <laughs> Jeff's not a moaner, but we will talk to him next week. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Talk to you then.
1: Uh <laughs> right. so there goes
0: Jeff Passon. Goodbye. Uh every Tuesday at 830. We talk to uh, ESPN's Jeff Passum with a a little replay the next morning at six thirty if you missed it. All right. Uh we're gonna play a little game coming up next. We've got ranks still to come. Uh there's a lot going on. Sprock and Salk, Sales Sports on seven ten, salesports.com.